Welcome to Landlord Diaries, where we talk about midterm rentals and the opportunities behind them. We'll share landlord stories, talk about maximizing investment potential, and discuss how to live the very best landlord life. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Furnished Finder, the place for everything midterm rentals. Remember to like and subscribe if you enjoy our content. It's Kelly Bailey, your host of The Landlord Diaries, coming to you from the Austin, Texas area with five midterm rentals. Uh, actually, I think it's six, Katie. I throw, I move the number around every once in a while. <laughs> you know what? I was trying to get, get track of ours this weekend because we're actually um, getting rid of our Florida property. We're doing a seller financing deal. So it like technically is still ours, but it's not. Right. And I'm right. like, okay, but then we're adding two arbitrages. So I'm like, wait, is that six? And I had to like, you know, like a, like a kid in first grade, I was like, had to get out my fingers uh-huh. and start counting. And same you know. thing. It's like, does room rental count as one or right. three? Like, like what if are you have- counting as? <laughs> anyway, guys, I'm Katie Lyon. Today we are here with Stephanie. Stephanie is the queen of systems. I feel like she should now trademark that, but she definitely is the, the queen of systems. She has a system for everything. It was so impressive, especially Kelly and I, you and I both have the number of, of properties where like, we can manage it and it's really not that difficult once you get tenants in there. Um, but at the same time, it's nice to start offloading some stuff so we can work on, you know, bigger and better things. Um, but it's, it's sometimes it can feel really intimidating to try to hand off some of the stuff that you've put your heart and soul into working on. And it's, um, she's got, she's, she's done all the testing for us. Okay. Like she has figured it out and, um, she's paved the way. So she has some really, really good tips. She talks about some great software, some great websites. And speaking of websites, you guys know that the podcast is brought to you by Furnish Finder. Kelly and I are all about Furnish Finder. We work at Furnish Finder. We love Furnish Finder. Um, Furnish Finder is as a landlord where you can list your property for $99 a year, like a year, not per booking we don't take any commissions. There's no booking fees. So once you find that tenant, we're like, we're so happy for you. Go, go voyage and have a good relationship. We're, we're not here to get in the middle. Okay. So check it out, furnishfinder.com and enjoy this episode. Stephanie Cabral is a Connecticut investor who buys houses, multifamilies, and apartments. Stephanie owns 19 units, four of which are midterm rentals, two by the room, and two two bedroom apartments. Stephanie has implemented virtual assistance into her operations and built a real estate portfolio worth over $3 million. Stephanie, we are so happy to have you on our show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, let's get into the heart of this episode, which is how Stephanie is utilizing all of her real estate experience for her midterm rentals. So let's start with your portfolio, Stephanie. Why don't you break down how long you have had your 19 units? How, you know, how many do you buy a year? How do you acquire those? And then when did you really jump into the midterm rental game? Sure. So I, like you said, I started about 11 years ago. Um, and when I first started, I just bought one duplex. I used the 203K loan uh, to buy a property and rehab it. 
And I didn't know that what I was doing was investing. I was just living somewhere for really cheap. So that was an excellent accidental investment foray, right? Right. Um, So then a couple years later, I decided, okay, it's time for me to go into a single family. So um, I bought a single family and and was doing the renovations and then realized, actually, the numbers work way better if I rent that single family out and just stay where I am in the duplex. So it took me you know, probably a year to buy my first property, maybe three years, four years to buy my second property. And then once I realized, oh, the numbers, like I started to actually look at the math behind investing and putting tenants in to pay the mortgage and how much that was doing for my net worth and for my monthly cash flow. Then I think at that point, the light bulb went off like, so people actually do this intentionally, not just to to live for cheap, but they can actually build their life using real estate. So that took me a little while. And then once I uh, once I decided to do that more intentionally, I started buying um, like one to three properties a year. I was using the Burr strategy pretty much exclusively um, and then things kind of slowed down. Um, maybe four years ago, interest rate went, and then when the market shifted, so interest rates went down, values went up, and I did some really strong asset management of repositioning some assets, refinancing, uh, selling the low performers, and transitioning into some triplexes. So that really, um, that really made the jump for me and gave me financial independence and allowed me a lot of room to play. And it was around the same time, actually that I got into the furnished rentals. So I had bought um, I had bought this beautiful historic house, actually the one that I'm in now. You can see the I window. love the stained glass. Yeah, it's that's awesome. 1870s original stained glass. It's amazing. absolutely amazing. Uh, terrible insulation value, but for the aesthetics. See that? <laughs> really on point. Um, and so I had bought this house and it's twice the size of the apartment that we were moving out of. And I was like, what am I going to do with all this space? Like, I'm never even going to go upstairs. <laughs> and then I, I had this like, oh, wait a second moment. I had heard about the concept of furnished rentals and travel nurses. I knew I wanted to get into it, but just didn't know if like what the right property would be. And I was like, I evaluated this house and it has two separate entrances, two floors, and there's no need for any overlap between the tenants and I. Mm. So I started... Uh, renting this house out uh, by the room to check it out. And then when I, and that was actually before I even moved in. Uh, So I was renting out the whole house by the room that was going really well. Eventually I took over the first floor, um, converted a kitchenette upstairs, one of the bedrooms into a kitchenette upstairs. And then when I moved out of my two bedroom apartment, I left some of my furniture there Um, you know, supplemented with the rest of the furnishings. Mm -hmm. And that was a two bedroom apartment. So I then, you know, switched from my by the room rentals and added in a two bedroom, one bath apartment. And I rented that for the entire unit that started going really well. Um, You know, I really don't have any vacancy. And so when the second unit opened up, I converted that one as well. And so now those are both side by side uh, duplexes that I rent. By, uh, it's a side by side, two units in a duplex that I rent by the room. That's amazing. So let's dive into these because I think in our intro call, did you say that 
furnished rentals is your highest ROI out of all your investment styles right now? Yeah, definitely. Especially because of that duplex. So those numbers really, they boosted, they boosted the cash flow so much. And it was really with a pretty modest investment to make it into the furnished rentals. So all of my properties are doing pretty well, but the furnished rentals definitely have the highest ROI. Um, but also they are competitive with the lowest vacancy, which is really amazing. Um, even though there's so much turnover, there's such demand that I typically have same day turnover or a one day wait. So, um, you know, there's an, an occasional gap in tenants, but it's not nearly, you know, a 10%, 15% vacancy rate. I'm still underwriting at right. 5%. Um, and, you know, those numbers are holding, which is fantastic. Um, and you mentioned that it's a much more frequent turnover. Katie and I typically say, on average, most traveling medical professionals stay around 90 days. So you can see, you know, anywhere from two to four to six renters a year. What's your average? How many are you seeing uh, per year in your entire unit, two bedrooms, and then in your room rentals? Yeah. So I don't have that number, but I do know that I've seen a total of 34 travel nurses or over uh, three and a half years or so. Yeah, in the three and a half years. And so the buy the room tends to be a little bit more rapid turnover. I can um, see that. With typically like three to six month extension. But I do have one girl here right now. She's going on, uh, she's just shy of a year. She'll have to leave at the one year mark. So that's been wonderful. Um, the apartments that I rent out, those are a mix of travel nurses, but also just travelers that are not necessarily in the medical field. So people that are looking for housing, waiting for their house to be built, waiting for a house to close, remote workers, um, something like that. So they tend to stay, even though we'll do a three-month minimum lease, they tend to stay six to nine months because the you know their deal is taking a long time to happen or they're really enjoying spending time with their grandkids. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Furnished Finder, the ultimate platform for hassle-free midterm rentals. Whether you're a seasoned landlord or just getting started, Furnished Finder is the place for you. With Furnished Finder, you can say goodbye to booking fees and hello to direct bookings for 30-day plus days. It's a win-win for everyone involved. So if you're ready to experience the joys of midterm renting and take a load off your landlord's shoulders, head over to FurnishedFinder.com today. We make it easy to get started. We're grateful to Furnished Finder for sponsoring this episode, and we're sure you'll love what they have in store for you. I just have one more question in this section. Uh, A lot of people, you know, argue, do you need a two-bedroom, two-bath? Are two bedrooms, one bath? Fine. So have you seen a huge difference having a two-bedroom, one bath? And are both yours two ones, or do you have one, two, two, and one, two, one? both two ones. And I think if I were to be renting out by the room in those units, it would be more important to have a bath for every bedroom because travelers typically don't want to share bathrooms. Right. And so understandable. Yeah, totally understandable. And upstairs here, it's the same thing. Every bedroom has its own bathroom. But when you're renting out an entire two bedroom apartment, you're renting it out to either a friend's or a household. And so they are used to sharing a bathroom. And if they don't like how someone's keeping the bathroom, 
they just take it up amongst themselves because they're friends or they're, you know, spouses or something like that. So it's not a problem at all to have a two bed, one bath. Yeah. I'm sorry, Katie. I lied. I have one more. That's all right. I'm good. (laughs) It spurred spurred my interest. Uh, I forgot. I wanted to ask in your room rental where you have the top floor, uh, like two floors that you rent out separately, are they completely divided or do, does each renter still have access to the other portion of the home and just chooses not to interfere in day-to-day life? No, they don't have access. So the entrance okay. is separate. They go straight upstairs and they each have their own bedroom, their own bathroom, and they share a kitchen. Um, okay. There's laundry upstairs as well, but there's really the only overlap, I guess, is in the um, driveway, which is like a lovely way to say hello in the morning or coming after work. But no, there's no overlap, um, which is how we'd prefer it. And I think right. they would too. Okay. All right, Stephanie. So one of the things that Kelly told me about you and that um, I think you have to have if you're going to have a portfolio of your size and be successful is some really good systems, operations, maybe some help. Tell yeah. us some like how you keep yourself organized with all of this. Yeah. Um, so my operations are a little bit of automation and then a little bit of delegation pretty much. So the automation is when you have technology resources that advance your processes. Delegation is when you have someone else doing the work. And so what I really focused on uh, was making my operations streamlined and as efficient as possible. And also so that I didn't have to do the work. So I have very high standards for how work gets done, but a very low tolerance for repetitious work. So this was a conflict which ended up being kind of a superpower, right? So (laughs) I started by just documenting best practices. And that over time became my standard operating procedure. This is a Mm -hmm. a very extensive document in my practice uh, and my business that documents every single policy procedure. It has um, an introduction section that talks about how to work with me. What are my values? What are my goals? What are our communication channels and expectations? So that if there's any discretion to be given to my virtual assistant, so spoiler alert, my virtual assistant does a lot of the work here. Uh, But if there's any discretion given to my virtual assistant, she um, she has a playbook and guidelines so she knows how to communicate and how to make those decisions. And then it's a very well-documented sheet of what to do, how to do it, and what notes and resources to use. So I do everything on Google Drive, and this is specifically a Google Sheet. I use flowcharts from draw.io, which is a free resource to make your really awesome flowcharts for the visual learners here. So good company if you're also a visual visual learner. Um, So I need to see a flowchart of how things work. And then that chart of how to do things, which is very high level. It's just giving your VA context of what you're doing in what order. Then the how to do it might be what sites do you go to? Um, what, you know, what do you click on? What are the decision-making elements that you need? What, and then what's the actual text that you need to include? And then the last column notes and resources includes either screenshots or video instructions. So I'll use Soapbox, which is very similar to Loom, 
Um, and it's a free resource that will allow you to do screen captures, a video screen capture of you performing a task. It collects the audio as well. Uh, and it stores the video for you. So and it gives you a link. So you can just add that link directly to your SOP. I'm going to interrupt real, uh, real quick and ask, does Soapbox limit, like uh, when you use Loom, you have, I think, up to 25 free and then you buy a subscription after that. How does it work on Soapbox? Is it free? Do you pay for it? It's free and I have not hit my limit. I don't know if there okay. is a limit. So I've got hundreds of videos on there. Um, and I'll just even Very use cool. them in my daily communications with my VA as well. If there's something that's a little bit um you know, non-typical in our work. I'll just shoot a quick screenshot or uh, video for her and just send it over so that when she gets on for the shift, you know, it's as if I'm walking her through it. But I always want her to watch the video before, watch the video and try before we actually have, you know, any back and forth dialogue. So Soapbox has been wonderful. So tell us about how you find your VA, because I know, especially at InvestorCon, there was a lot of talk about delegation and making sure that you were working, you know, on the important things in your business that no one else can work on and trying to separate yourselves from these things that might be stopping you or that you're not an expert in, right? Like for me, it was the the first and easiest thing that had to go, not easy for me, but easiest to delegate, easiest to say goodbye to was the bookkeeping because I hate it. I'm terrible at it. And it gives me heart palpitations. So finding a VA, a good one is probably the most important way to set yourself up for success uh, because they're such an integral part of your business. I kissed a lot of frogs on Upwork before I finally decided that I had enough business to uh, for them to do and like enough hours to keep to keep a VA busy that I was going to go through a staffing agency. So I use Core Assist and Core Assist is a um, virtual staffing company out of Memphis and they staff only through the Philippines and they do background checks. Uh, they have a customer service manager that helps you with the relationship and they have an intake coordinator who asks you, what do you want them to do in your business? Right? So you, you're going to have the responsibility of knowing what tasks you want to give them. And then they're going to have the responsibility of saying, okay, here are three candidates that either have the right skill set or the right personality. And then you do three interviews. Um, I also like to assign a task, the same task to each of the virtual assistants and see what sort of work product I got back. Um, and that was really helpful. Like one person didn't submit the work product. So that was uh -oh. really helpful to be like, well, you're, you're not going to be a good fit. And then the other person, um, you know, had some questions about it and we were eventually able to get to like, I really like the way I work with this person, Sherry. So she's been with me three and a half years. Um, and you know, what I like about agencies is they take some of those decisions that you might take for granted, and they do the background. So like, I didn't think about asking virtual assistants on Upwork, whether they had access to a computer every day, or how fast their internet mm. speed was, how fast their processor was, what sort Is of- Is their country powers. blocked? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I didn't think about any of these things. And then even like, you think you're hiring a virtual assistant, and you're just gonna start working with them for years. But what I found was some of them were on summer break, 
and I spent all summer training them and then they went oh. back to school and I was oh, like, no. yeah, that's it. So I wanted a career assistant. Um, and core assist has been absolutely wonderful. She, again, Sherry's been with me three and a half years and we couldn't be happier. Uh, and she's pretty much self-sufficient at this point. In fact, she has placed my last 11 of 13 furnished travelers by herself with no, with no ex- escalation to me. It's been fantastic. Hey, landlords, are you ready to level up your rental game and simplify your life? Well, get ready to meet your new best friend, KeyCheck. KeyCheck is your all-in-one solution for stress-free property management with tenant-paid screenings, rent payment processing, online lease creation with eSign, and a suite of incredible landlord tools. You'll wonder how you ever lived without it. No more chasing down checks or sifting through piles of applications. KeyCheck helps you organize and manage all things landlording in a simple and efficient way. So if you're tired of the rental chaos and crave seamless, efficient management, head over to KeyCheck.com and sign up today. Make landlord life a breeze with KeyCheck, the game changer for modern property owners. I think that's key, right? Is if you can document what you're doing in a really detailed and organized way, a lot of what we do as landlords is not rocket science. We're rinsing and repeating, right? It's not, it's not crazy. Um, but it's crazy if it only lives in your own head, if it only lives in your own head, there's no way no one else can ever do it. Right. Yeah. And with the, with the midterm rentals, there is so much turnover that you can get really good at your processes and it would be overwhelming for you to be responsible for them every couple months. But if your processes are really good and documented and you've got the checklist and you've got, you know, here's the, the decisions that you can make. If it's outside of that, you have to escalate it. You know, you can document all of that and then your processes become really streamlined. And, you know, now my my uh, midterm rental business kind of runs in the background and like pays a lot of my expenses. It's great. That's awesome. I'm going to go take this uh, moment. We haven't done this, Katie. Let's give a shout out to our editor. Uh, so we actually can connect it with our podcast editor, through Upwork as well. So Katie and I have had great experience with Upwork. And I think the graphic and the the video, the first 30 second intro at the beginning, that was also someone on Upwork as well, I believe. Right, Katie? Yep. We are all about getting help where we are not the masters, right? I'm the marketing, I'm the marketing director and Kelly is an amazing landlord and an amazing host, but neither of us are video editors, guys. Or audio editors. So bring in help where you need it, right? That's why like on a sports team, everyone has a a different position, right? But then once you get to be an entrepreneur or a real estate investor, you're trying to play all the roles by yourself and that can work for a while. But then at some point, like form your team and, and divvy it up so that you can do your role better. Definitely. Well, Stephanie, in regards to the midterm rental space, you, you just said that your VA has placed the last nine out of 10 of your tenants. What does that look like? Like, let's dive into that. Like, what did training, how, how did you get to that point where she felt confident with those last, you know, nine placements? And what are those procedures that you've put in place? Yeah. So we rely on the standard operating procedures, that SOP, and it's documented from like when a lead comes in. If it looks like this, if it meets these criteria, if it's not too far outside of our uh, availability date, 
reach out to them. Here's the message, right? And so she's responsible for reaching out to all the leads. She's also responsible for managing all of the direct inquiries. And then, and she's got set language that she uses, right? Because I crafted it for her. Um, And that includes some, you know, niceties about the neighborhood and, you know, and about me as well. So I've directed her to say great things about me, uh, which is good. (laughs) And then, yeah. And in return, I say great. I wish I could do that for everyone. You, you are all responsible (laughs) for saying nice things about me. (laughs) I know. Um, But it really creates a synergy, right? So when I do the sales calls, because I've been, I've, I used to live in the old unit. I live in these. And so I can talk to people about how nice the neighborhoods are and how great the units are. So I do the sales call and I say, oh, I'm so glad you connected with Sherry. Isn't she great? And she'll and they'll say, oh, she said the same thing about you. And so we have this great synergy. Um, and so from then, when they decide they want to move forward, she sends them a list of all of the items we need for the due diligence process and also manages their expectation because we do a we do a full due diligence process which i think is a little bit more than some of the landlords on furnished finder and so that was something that we were getting feedback on at the beginning is like hey this is actually kind of a lot and once we started managing expectations we haven't had a single comment so we have the due diligence process which is asking for documentation and their contract and their driver's license, um, their background check through key check, which is phenomenal. And then also um, copies of anything if they are traveling with a partner, we want the same documentation for them. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something else that I'm forgetting at the moment. So she's responsible for collecting all of those. And then we do the credit criminal background. We do a landlord reference as well. That was it. So she calls the landlord and has a set list of questions that she needs to ask. If there's no deviation, if the credit looks good, if the background check looks good, if the criminal looks good, she can just go ahead and approve them. And then she has to go through the like move-in prep process, which is getting the lease ready. And again, we have a standard template and then she knows she knows exactly how to modify it based on the instructions and standard operating procedures. So she prepares the lease, she collects their uh, security deposit. She sets them up on Turbo Tenant, which is my rent collection platform. Um, she, you know, gets them ready with the renter's insurance. She collects all of that, makes sure that the uh, cleaners are going to be done in time, and gives them the access code once officially authorized. So, um, you know, she has very set rules on what she can authorize and what she needs to escalate. Um, and a lot of times the travelers that come through Furnish Finder are so clean. It's really wonderful. I think we've only denied two people um, through like little surprises in their background, but I'm glad that we do them. So right. she really handles all of that and has access to my cleaner as well to coordinate turnover um, at the completion. So she's soup to nuts. Uh, and then also she handles all the admin during their leasing process. So she's handling the like any communications about lease questions or extensions, renewals, uh, terminations. She's handling all of that um, and then getting us ready for the next tenant and the next leasing process. So she's absolutely an invaluable member of my team. And I love having really great service and that these every lead that meets our criteria is contacted in the way that they want to be contacted. I've heard you talk on uh, other uh, places on social media as well uh, about 
your systems? Do you still use Podio and Google Drive? Is that a large part of your system still? Yeah. So Podio is how I automate a lot of my things, but Google Drive is really where my business lives between, I mean, through, through, well, I guess taking it one step further, the Google workspace for business is an all comprehensive, like virtual office. So it's your storage, it's your phone, it's your email. Um, it's really everything. So I use Google for business. Uh, I use all my phone, you know, my phone is in there, my email, all of that stuff. Um, drive is where I keep all of my documentation. So we don't even use paper trails anymore, which is really great for the filing system. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she has access to it and, you know, I'll, one thing that I really like is, you know, I get a lot of mail and I just scan my mail and send it to her and she files everything in the right order and the right place. And, um, you know, that wouldn't be possible if she lives in the Philippines and I'm here and I have a file, you know, file folder in the back that she would need to have access to. So you guys know what I realized about Google drive the other day. That's so cool because I love Google drive, but it's always bothered me that I have to go online to see it. And I have a Mac and I'm sure this works with PC too. Usually it's the other way. Not everything works on Mac, but, um, I could create a desktop folder and actually access it through like my desktop, you know, file system. So it doesn't even, you don't even know that it's housed online. It looks like a regular file folder in my Explorer, which was so cool. And I loved it because that's like how my brain is so trained to work. So just a little tip for everyone who uses Google drive. That is so cool. Okay. Let's say, let's talk about this. Do you have your virtual assistant order any of your furnishings and help in that process? Because um, Kelly, I haven't told you this yet, but we are adding two more properties to Good. our midterm rental portfolio. They're I both hope arbitrages. your one is one of them. It's next year. That's the next year goal. <laughs> That's the next year. That one just renewed for a year unfurnished, but Great. I needed time Good. to like, I needed more time to prep because otherwise it was going to be like, we're coming back from vacation and I needed to furnish all that quickly. That was too much. Four bedroom, so. right. Four. So I knew my limits. That's the next year goal, but we're adding two arbitrage properties. And my son, we've talked about this on one other property. He's like starting to kind of like learn stuff and he's been kind of watching in the background. And I have a spreadsheet of all the furnishings and it even says like, okay, number for the, it has like a bathroom section, right? And it's like bathrooms number and then, or like quantity price total. And then it has a place for you to mark off. Like I ordered it. Here's, here's the link. So all the bath mats in every property are the same bath mat, unless, yeah. you know, something has changed from Amazon or target or these places and their stock and their inventory is always, always shifting, but he wanted, you know, to do some work and earn his money. So he sat down and he ordered, granted, I didn't let him check out. He was just responsible for adding to the cart. I would say 60% of the furnishings for this new studio in an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And his only questions were really like, oh, hey, this price has changed a dollar. And I'm like, great, update it. Or can I pick a different color of towels? And like, sure, buddy, pick a different color towels. How but fun. like, it was, it was all like right there. And all he had to do was go down and it, it felt very similar to having a virtual assistant, even though it was my son <laughs> sitting here. Cause I'm uh -huh. like, I made this spreadsheet and it took a lot of love to make that spreadsheet, but now it's simple and it can be done. 
as long as I set him up for success and I'm like, here are your guidelines, right? If something has changed in price 10% or less, you're good. If it's higher than that, like mark it and I'll come back to it. If something's out of stock, do this. Like he had his playbook and he was just ready to go. So I'm curious if that's also how you, um, if you use your virtual assistant for furnishings, because for me, it was just like clutch. I was like, this is great. Before we jump into that, Katie, were those both, uh, are you adding them both in Iowa or have you gone elsewhere? Okay. Two more in Iowa. Okay. So let's hear from Stephanie. What you got lady? Yeah. So I do, I, I make lists on Amazon and Ikea. And so that way I'm the one who holds the credit card. So my virtual assistant doesn't do any purchasing for me. Um, so I'll go in and I can just add everything to the cart and buy it. And same thing with Ikea, you can just select add all to cart and buy it. So it doesn't take much time for me to do that. It takes absolutely no time. And because I don't allow her to make transactions for me, it wouldn't really make sense for me to have her go in and just move things to the cart. Um, but what I do have her do is go in and make sure that the list is updated. So like, like you said, the Amazon options will change. And if the price is no longer available, you know, it's her responsibility to find something that's a similar or equivalent product and update it so that we, you know, so that I can always go in very quickly and easily. So I have nice. um, furniture through Ikea, but then I do a lot of just the home stuff uh, through Amazon. And so I like to keep those kind of like you do. I have a general new listing. I have a bedroom and a bathroom list. And so that way I know exactly how much it would cost to furnish a one bed, one bath, two bed, one mm-hmm. bath, right? And so you can just do the math on that um, and then add in the labor costs or shipping costs. And, um, you know, I think that that's really good to be able to stay managed, clean, and know what your costs are going to be if you're buying everything new. I love that. Now, I think we all know Amazon drivers are like some of our best friends. It's just like a common household name nowadays, right? And I'm still shocked that couches can come in a box. That's just crazy. But you said something I wanted to hone in on that is gold, that you can just on Amazon create all the products that you need for a bedroom at a time or your kitchen, go through the steps. How do you actually do that on Amazon for people that are listening? Because that sounds like an invaluable tool that you don't have to go rebuild and look three years back every time you want something new again. It's been so helpful. So on your account in like the upper right-hand corner, there's an order and list option. So you go under the lists and then you can create a new list. You can create multiple lists. Um, And so I have one for, like I said, the general new listing. So that includes the kitchen stuff. And most of my kitchen stuff is on Amazon. Uh, And then bedroom. So it'll have the, you know, encasement, the mattress encasement, the mattress protector, all the linens, the duvet, the covers, all of those things. Um, But then my furniture, because I don't love the idea that, uh, furniture is being delivered by Amazon because it can be really sporadic. Things, right. things get lost. And then, you know, I don't want one box at a time of furniture. Just bringing that over to the unit can be really cumbersome. Um, so that's where Ikea, I think, is okay. a better option for me for furniture. But it's nice. the same concept in Ikea. There's, you know, under your account, you can make lists, you can change the name, 
And then when you're adding items to your list, both in Ikea and Amazon, you would select the like little, um, in Ikea, you select the heart button and then it gives you a drop down option to choose which list you want to add it to. Mm. Or in Amazon, there's actually um, a, a drop down option under like add to like order mm-hmm. now, I think. And you can drop that down and select the list that you want to add it to. So that's because on Amazon, you can make like a wish list or like, yeah. a, you know, a Christmas list or you can make all sorts of lists. Actually, a lot of my kids teachers make wish lists so that like, you know, let's say you want to donate to the, something to the classroom, you know, that it's something that'll be useful. And yeah, those, those lists are pretty, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention on the lists is especially for Amazon, you need to make sure that you um, have your settings set though, so that you don't delete items once purchased. Because otherwise, if you have your list mm-hmm. and then you buy them, that the items disappear out of the oh, list. No. So yeah, so your list is all for one property, but you want to make sure it's for it's really a template. So you want to make sure that it's set for not deleting. After, That's important. after purchasing. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't want to forget that. Thank you. Cause I would have cried. I might still cry cause I could forget to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like writing a long, uh, like a writing a long paragraph, uh, and sending it. And then you're like, wait, why didn't that post? I find that on YouTube sometimes. And but, it was brilliant. <laughs> yes. Like, fine. I'll just not do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, okay. so you originally you have 19 units, four of which are midterm rentals. So a majority are long-term rentals and you've built all these incredible systems. Did your, for those of our listeners that we've got a lot of people that are long-term uh, landlords that are considering switching to midterm, what was that process like for you? And did you have to change your systems or did they fall into your long-term systems pretty well? There's definitely a change in systems. Uh, I mean, just the the turnover, having the cleaner, having it be a rapid turn, having linens, that's a big process that long-term renters don't have to deal with and don't have to think about. So that was, I think, the hardest part of switching over. Um, And then the rest of it was deciding what steps in my long-term process do I want to incorporate over? Um, So it was a lot of that due diligence I do a lot of automated emails to the tenants um, about their move-in, after their move-in, when they're getting ready to move out. So, you know, we brought a lot of that over to standardize communication and also to keep an ongoing dialogue and maintain good rapport with the tenants throughout. Um, But as far as the maintenance goes, they just fit right in with my long-term maintenance process. And I use a third-party maintenance coordination team in the Philippines And they handle all the inbound maintenance requests. They do diagnostics and, um, you know, then send out my preferred vendors to the properties. And so I was able to just add those midterm rentals onto the portfolio already. So that was a pretty easy switch. And I would say it's particularly good for the midterm rentals because they're getting 24-7 coverage of their requests. And I don't want to be on call 24-7. So that really allowed me to free up. Um, peace of mind and still maintain that great service that I told you is like my standard. So, sure. 
So where is that automatic messaging and that communication with the maintenance teams? Is that again through Google Drive or where are you setting up those automated messages and that communication that you can monitor about the maintenance? So the third-party team that I use, it's called Abodia. It's in the Philippines. Um, they have their own platform that you can use, or you can bring them into your platform and have them live in yours. So okay. I have TurboTenant, which has a maintenance portal, maintenance request portal. Uh, okay. I send all those requests to Podio because it's more robust. Um, but I have spreadsheets that I track all my maintenance requests. And then it's a, the Abodia team that's actually updating the status, the vendor, the close date, um, you know, who it's payable by, and also updating communications and just sending me screenshots to let me know they've reached out to the vendor, they've reached out to the tenant. And so Abodia is flexible enough that they will make whatever your process looks like work. And they also have a hotline as well. So you can have um, work orders come in through the hotline, through TurboTenant or whatever rent collection platform you're using, or Podio if we use a, a form as well. So nice. any way the tenants want to communicate, Abodia is there to catch the request. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, I would like to talk a little bit about your systems through Furnish Finder. It's like you've got all these systems and for midterm rentals, you've got to manage your tenant leads uh, and anyone reaching out to you directly, but the tenant leads are nonstop. They're coming in constantly. So yeah. what is your system that you have in place for your Furnish Finder account uh, in different aspects? Yep. So every day, my virtual assistant goes in to look at the leads and the message requests, right? So those are two different sections. The, mess the, the direct bookings, those message requests, I guess, um, the direct booking inquiries, we want to make sure we respond to every single one, even if we're not a fit. And so she will look at the criteria. So it's the composition of the tenants, whether it's one tenant, two tenants, pets, uh, and she'll look at dates and she'll look at location that they're going to be working and we'll see if they're a fit. She'll respond back with our availability and again with like a nice message about the property and about me. Um, and then, you know, we'll start that dialogue. And if there's if she wants to move forward, then we go right into our pre-approval process. If it's a lead that comes in, which is just a general inquiry, not direct on our listings, we'll have her evaluate the, the same things, but we only reach out to them if they're within our like strike box, basically. So if the geography works, if the composition works, if the date works. And even if the date is a little off, um, and even if the budget is a little bit off, we'll, you know, we have a range. And so even if they are more narrow, we'll still reach out and say, hey, we know it's outside your geography or your your desired budget, but we think you should take a look at this. And, you know, we'd love to talk to you about it. Nice. And I think on our intro call, you said you have a very high close rate for your Furnish Finder communication. Why don't you give some advice on that? Yeah. So um, I do the sales calls for anyone that wants more information. And for that, I talk about um, the neighborhood. And I talk about how much there is in the direct area. So accessibility by 
car to highways, but also to nature. So think of where you, if you were going to be taking a trip, what would you want to know? You're going to want to know not only all the amenities, right? Like the stats of the property, but you're going to want to know what does life look like? So I'll talk about like the mature foliage on the trees, or I'll talk about the architectural detail of the 1800s homes, or walk to the ice cream shop, walk to Whole Foods. There's a river nearby that has beautiful sunsets, right? So I'll share some of these like little delights that people can imagine on their days off. And so I think walkability is big. And I, I showcase the features that make my property stand out. So mm, I like that beautiful house and the beautiful neighborhood. And then you have to come in with like a little bit of energy, right? You have to want, you have to sell that you're going to be a great landlord. You're going to want, you're going to be somebody, somebody that they want to do business with. So you come in with your best foot forward or maybe a little coffee buzz and you sell your property. I love that. Uh, it, essentially, you're having you're painting a picture that they're going to remember about their conversation with you that they may not remember with the ten other properties that they're also checking out. Because in most scenarios, you might not be the only one that they're talking with, right? I always look right. at it as until I hear them say. I'm ready to move forward with the, with the tenant screening or the next steps in the process, you know, then, then I don't count it uh, because I know they're talking to multiple people. So that's really, I really love what you're saying there is you leave that impression. So are you having those conversations over the phone or are you texting or messaging through Furnish Finder? What's your preferred communication? Um, I prefer to have that conversation by phone. So it's, you know, a 15 minute sales call. And that's only for the people that feel that they need that extra, you know, get me off the fence call. A lot of people just direct a direct book with Sherry. So it's through like the communications, either on Furnished Finder or by text, whatever they prefer. Uh And her presentation will be enough, but I only step in to if it needs to be escalated. And then also I wanted to mention, I like to include some of my policies that might be desirable for the tenants. So I mentioned, you know, our processes and how everything's automated. We don't forget anything. Online rent collection for their security. And then also we don't take bookings until we know that the tenant is moving out. So we always give priority for our existing tenants to extend. And not everyone does that. Some tenants, some landlords are you know, going to take a booking that's four months out. And then if the tenant's been there for three months and they want to extend another two months, they're going to have to find a place to go for the last month of their uh, stay, which just sounds mm-hmm. terrible to me. So I really try yeah. to emphasize, you know, we're a team here. As long as things are going well, you can stay as long as you want. Lastly, on this conversation. So there's been, you know, a lo- I've noticed a lot of people in Austin lately checking that box where they only want to communicate through a uh, furnish finder. They don't provide their phone number. So how are you framing that message to get them on a phone call with you? Or are you giving the those wonderful details uh, just in the message instead? So in the message that Sherry will send out to the leads, it'll have, you know, that basic paragraph. And then at the end, it says, if you have any other questions, here's Stephanie's phone number. Okay. So, you know, you can call her and it's a Google voice number. So I only take the call if I'm in a place that, um, you know, I am in a 
place to have the conversation. I screen screen all my calls. Um, so I want to make sure that I put my best foot forward. But they have access if they want to take it that next step and, you know, just talk to somebody, then they have the option to do that. It. And it's interesting because um, my boyfriend and I in January are actually going to be working remotely. And so I'm going to be going through Furnished Finder as a Ooh. guest. Um, we're going to go down to Savannah. So for any Savannah listeners down there, we're looking for like the January, February, March range. Um, and I will be putting in an inquiry. So I'm actually really excited to see what the process looks like on the flip side. And I, you know, I think I have a good process, but I know that my process is going to be so much better after I experience it from the tenant side. Um, well, I think I want to one, ask one more question that's important from some, we always ask listeners to comment on anything they want to hear about. And then I want to bring it back to kind of the theme of the conversation. So Godfrey Chatfield in Austin, Texas, he's a firefighter, and he wants to know how people are incorporating LLCs into their portfolios. And Katie, you might want to jump in as well because he specifically uh, is looking at getting into arbitrage. But mm -hmm. Stephanie, on the purchase side, how have you chosen to incorporate LLCs into your portfolio? Uh, yeah, so I will say I'm an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. And you should consult with your attorney about this. But um, the way that I do it is I have every property in an LLC. Um, it's in that LLC when I buy and then allows me to refinance into that LLC. I think I have three properties under one LLC because the loan is over those three, but that was bank, bank terms. But pretty much every property is in its own LLC. Yeah, my mine is similar, although I have all my arbitrage properties in one LLC. And that is so I can have an umbrella insurance policy for that LLC and it will cover all of the properties in that LLC. But I don't own those, so it's a little bit different. Um, and then I have one LLC that owns all of those LLCs. So it gets overwhelming, but guys like don't get overwhelmed with this. Like find someone who you know and trust and hopefully who is a lawyer to ask advice because it's different from state to state. But um, I I have a history in commercial real estate from like the private equity side. And I one of my responsibilities used to be filing and managing and renewing all of these LLCs. It looks very daunting. It very much is not. Um, it's very, very simple. And it's just a layer of protection, right? Like for you and for your property. So um, just make sure you're talking to someone who knows your state laws, where your property is located as well. So this has been such a great conversation, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being with us today. I want to wrap up with a recap of some of the things that you do very well is the systems we've been talking about. So you've said in a conversation that how important it is to make your business repeatable and predictable. So what's one advice you have for those that are just getting started and don't even know where to begin with that? And then what's something that you have recommended for seasoned investors to just kind of improve and stay, stay on track with their repeatable and predictable processes? 
So if you're just starting, this is a, a great time to implement systems and start with good habits rather than undoing bad ones. So I think what you should uh, really focus on is building your standard operating procedures so that while you're learning to do tasks, you're not going to have to relearn them later. Document them as your best practices now, and then you'll have that resource to rely on later when you have to do it again in three months, six months, a year. Um, and then just keep building it. Keep improving your process and recognize that no first version is ever perfect. So give yourself a little grace. Um, but really focus on every time you do a task, document it and then make it better. And then for those of you that are seasoned, I would say look at the points of frustration in your business. What is the thing that makes you tense as you're doing it? And that means that you're the one actually handling the process and you don't like it. So at that point, focus on that and either automate that or delegate it. So use frustration as a as a tool to identify what you need to get off your plate. That's really good. My and for those of you that are thinking that's great advice Stephanie, but I don't want to do it. Then one little mm -hmm. thing that I've done to train myself is if I have to go to the doctor or the, you know, do something that I don't want to do, then I build in a reward that makes me want to do it. So it's like, if you go to the doctor, which who likes going to the doctor? Nobody. Make sure you schedule yourself a massage afterwards. So mm. if for some reason you don't like the idea of changing your processes, well then figure out what a good reward is and build that into updating your processes as well. <laughs> I like that. Little dangling carrot we can all use it sometimes. It's a good atomic habits trip trick right there. Yes. Mine have gotten more expensive over time, but they're still worth it. <laughs> so really the lean the lean landlord and lean operations is what I've become known for. And so I have put everything that I do in a one like guide for other self-managing landlords. And it's a multi-channel uh, instructions. So it's oriented in a way that is chronologically logical, right? So week one, do this. And you're starting with your foundation. How do you build a good business without a good foundation, right? So week one, it's the foundation. It's very specific steps, structure, all the tech stack that I use, and including like pro tips, how to use virtual assistants, templates of all of my standard operating procedures, how to like um, all my checklists and everything. So that's in uh, The Lean Landlord, www.TheLeanLandlord, L-E-A-N. Um, so if somebody doesn't know where to start, this will give you like week one, start here. And here's your four items that you need. And then the other thing is I have an assessment. It's a totally free assessment uh, to just evaluate where you are in your operations. And it's The Lean Landlord dot com forward slash assessment. It's a five question, true, false, just how are you doing? And it's in um, the level, the order that's like more and more sophisticated. So if you, as soon as you answer false, uh, your first false question, that's where you should focus, if that makes sense. That's such good advice. And I love that you have a tangible place for people to go and find that resource. Is it free or does it cost? 
The assessment is free. The guide is $2.99 and it's literally everything I do in my business. So it's $2.99 for now. Yeah. Is it $2.99 or $299? $299. That sounds better. That sounds worth it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Stephanie. Reminder, if you want to connect with Stephanie or leave a comment, then you can do so on YouTube, on the show notes, or on the audio platforms. Look at the show notes. We always link the Furnish Finder profile and on YouTube, every source that Stephanie has on how you can connect with her, her website, mm-hmm. her Furnish Finder account, uh, this, you know, this huge resources she just noted. So make sure and check the show notes and everybody don't forget to leave a five-star review on wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week, everyone.